0: You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Tuesday, October 31st. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you're riding home with me after lunch because... Excuse me. I think I'm coming down with something. My throat's a little sore. Because it's October 31st and my kids are going to go trick-or-treating. So I don't want to leave here at 6 and get home at 7. I want to be there to take them out at dusk before it gets too dark. And yes, I am taking my kids trick-or-treating. Some people in the extreme of... Zealotry, like me. Because that's who listens to this show, right? This is not a show for moderate, wishy-washy, evangelifish. Some people over in our zealot, zealot-y little place of Christianity, ultra-uber-conservative. Don't, don't do not do Halloween, because Halloween's the devil. There's the question that comes about every year at about this time, should Christians celebrate Halloween. And I just thought about that and I thought all right I celebrate Christmas because that's the birth of Christ it's a celebration I celebrate Easter because that's the resurrection of Christ that's a celebration I celebrate the 4th of July because that is commemorating our country's independence our freedom can I celebrate our freedom and the you know winning the revolutionary war I don't really celebrate Halloween it doesn't mark anything like, what are you celebrating in Halloween? There's no event. Uh, there's not something that happened in the past that you're commemorating. You're just dressing up in costumes and going to get candy from your neighbors. It, if there's aliens watching us from, from outer space through some kind of special telescope and satellite technology, th- that's got to be the one holiday that they don't get. Because uh, what, wh- what are they doing? They're going to these people. They, they never talk to their neighbors. Now they're going to all these houses. They're dressed up as as cats and, and video game characters and comic book people. And they're getting candy and just walking off. What is this? I, I would I would love to hear a two-hour lecture from an anthropologist on how Halloween got to be what it is. Was there some ancient pagan belief about spirits or All Hallows' Eve, I guess, but I really don't think it has anything to do with the secular holiday that is Halloween. So yes, my kids are going to go trick-or-treating, and we don't dress up as monsters and witches. Like, I draw the line there, I'm like, listen, we're not going to dress up as monsters and witches or devils. We're not going to do that. So, you know, cutesy little costumes, let's go get some... Some candy from our friends and neighbors. And by the way, today's show title is Fall Festivals. Fall Festivals. We're going to talk about church fall festivals, which are Halloween parties, but we don't call them that because Halloween's pagan. All right. Fall Festivals at church. Maybe I'm going to give you sort of a ta- a tale of two fall festivals. We have the Bible chapter review today, because I got, I got, I think three questions. They're all from Terry in California, and Candace wrote me, and I said, oh great, Candace is sending a question, and her email was, why haven't you answered my last question? And I was like, number one, this is not a question, and number two, I already answered that question. I'm pretty sure I answered the one she sent into my Yahoo mail, but Candace, if I didn't, Just send it in again to this one. But I'm pretty sure I answered that question. Now if I didn't, I feel stupid. Anyway, what's that question about? Ooh, it's about sermon resources. Should have fun with that. And as always, we have the Bible chapter of you. We are in Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. Jesus has just told his disciples, don't bother the woman Mary doesn't name her but her name it was in fact Mary not his mom a different Mary uh, Jesus has said don't bother the woman who poured this perfume on me she's you know done something good for me then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said what are you willing to give me to betray him to you and they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him from then on he began looking for a good opportunity. To betray Jesus. By the way, 30 pieces of silver. You can Google it. I think it's a, you know, people argue about how much or how little it was. I'm going to say it's about $500 in today's money. So, what would you give me to sell Jesus out to you? I don't know that this is a criticism of Jesus biblically, but Jesus was a very important guy who had upset the high priest very much. You think he could have got a little more than five hundred dollars to sell him out? That's that's not a biblical commentary. That's just a Seth commentary. Like, should you got like a like hundred thousand dollars or something like that? Anyway, Judas goes to the enemies of Jesus. He knows that these people are Jesus's enemies. Number one, if he didn't know that, you know, he wouldn't have gone to them. But he knows this. Judas has witnessed. What Jesus has been doing all throughout the previous chapters, going and teaching through the city and rebuking the scribes and Pharisees. So he knows the chief priests and the elders want Jesus gone. And Jesus himself has said, I'm going to be crucified and handed over to these people. So Judas seizes an opportunity here and goes to them and says, oh, Listen, I'll sell him out to you guys. I'll betray him, but what are you willing to give me? Notice they don't have posted reward. Jesus, dead or alive, $500. You ever watch an old western? And they have bounties on people out in the wild, wild west. Wanted, dead or alive, $1,000. Let me tell you something. This is not a biblical commentary either. You ever watch one of these movies? And they capture the bad guy and they try to bring him back. And he's trying to escape and his gang is shooting at him. I watch this. and I'm like, listen. If the bounty on this guy is dead or alive, as soon as I make a positive identification on him, I'm gonna shoot him dead. Because it's it's like the Mandalorian says, you want to come in warm or cold? It doesn't matter to him. I'm like, I ain't. You ain't fighting me all the way through the Arizona territory, buddy. Boom, dead or alive. Cause I'm wanted, wanted, dead or alive. I think that's... Is that from Young Guns 1 or Young Guns 2? Bon Jovi. I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride. Ugh. I think it's from Young Guns 1, but I don't know. You seen Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2? I got news for you. Not historically accurate. You'll find that out if you ever go to uh, New Mexico. To the county where that... uh, Is it Lincoln County? If you ever go to the place where the Lincoln County War, the so-called Lincoln County War, uh, between the Tunstall and... What was it? Tunstall and McQueen? I don't remember the name of the, the, the warring or fighting parties of land barons. But if you ever go there... You'll find that they took uh, some Hollywood liberties with Young Guns. But now away from Young Guns and back to the Bible and Jesus. We're talking about bounties, right? We're talking about bounties, wanted men. Jesus is a wanted man, but not by the Roman authorities, but by the Jews. And they're trying to seize him quietly. And his own man, Jesus or not Jesus, Judas, Judas Iscariot, his own man Judas, goes to betray him. And with that, we will end the Bible chapter of you. As well as any further commentary, for today at least, on Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2. Starring Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips. The second one has Christian Slater. I can't think of any of the other actors. They didn't make it this big. If I was going to make a movie about Jesus, and I know people have, like uh, Mel Gibson made, uh, oh, what was the name of the movie? Passion of the Christ, and then you got the, the guy making The Chosen, and we know not to watch The Chosen, Dallas Jenkins. I would cast Christian Slater as Judas. Don't you think Christian Slater would make a good Judas? Or if he's not available, Kevin Bacon? Those are consummate bad guys. Like, just just the worst. That's who I would cast as Judas. All right. Let's move on to the question in the inbox. If you have a question about Christian theology or apologetics, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com or dial 470 315 0875 today's question comes all the way from california san francisco california so it comes from the godless pagan west but the absolute most godless most pagan part of the west san francisco hate ashbury hippie L.G. B T Q W X Y Z and for all of you moderate and liberal Christians social injustice because you can't afford a house out there only the one percent percenters have the real estate because it's so expensive to live and then you got the homeless people everywhere and they're on drugs and they don't have any money and it's just if you want to talk about the haves and the have-nots a Sodom and Gomorrah type situation with haves and have-nots, and homosexuality, and anything goes morality. Whoo, San Francisco. It's not as it's not as all rosy as the Tanner family makes it out to be on Full House. And what's the silence? This is me desperately trying not to sing the the, the theme song to Full House. I'm just trying to stuff it down. And this question from Terry out there, fellow accountant. What do you think of a pastor using canned resources? Now, let me stop right there. This is a what do you think, Seth, question. And these things sometimes come through. And I always give my opinion. Hey, because somebody wrote in to the show and asked for my opinion. But unless my opinion has a biblical basis, then it's no good. All right? Because we're talking about the operation of a church. And here, here's the problem here. In the Bible times, there was no canned resource website. You couldn't go order the orange curriculum for your Sunday school, okay? You couldn't go to rightnowmedia.com and get some sermon resources. You couldn't go to churchleaders.com. You couldn't order some stuff from Rick Warren. You couldn't get any James Merritt or Jerry Vines tapes. because they didn't have, it's not that they didn't have the internet it's just like they hadn't nobody had built up a book of products yet because Christianity under the new covenant had just started when the bible was written guys you realize we don't really have any biblical books that were written after around 100 AD so the idea that there would have been pastors in the New Testament, that Paul had to rebuke because they were going out and, and getting sermon resources off the internet, I mean, that's anachronistic. That's infe- infeasible. As much as if the pastors were watching internet pornography, there was no internet. And they had. They, they, re- there wasn't any pornography because there was no cameras. I guess the best they could do was drawings and statues. Okay, I don't even. I'm not a sociologist. I'm sure there's some sociologist out there who's like, "Oh yes, there is a history or anthropologist of of ancient pornography," but I, I'm not the person to tell you about that. And I think this makes two shows in a row where I'm like, "I'd love to tell you, I don't know about beer and pornography. I'm a fundamentalist. I don't know about that stuff." Okay, but that's that. You get my point. So what do I think about it? I think it's awful. I think it's awful and they shouldn't do it and i'm going to try to support that biblically even though you it's sort of like abortion you can't find abortion in the bible because they weren't doing it and here's terry's problem by the way because this is why i made such a big deal about being in san francisco It's not easy to find a solid church in San Francisco. Listen, it's not easy to find a solid church here in the Bible Belt. But as I I say on here all the time, there are 40 churches in our Baptist Association. We can find one to tolerate, okay? At least tolerate. And uh, I went to a church in Kennesaw. That's in the Noonday Bible Association. I went to Burnt Hickory Baptist Church Sunday because they had an 8 a.m. service, and I needed an 8 a.m. service if I wanted uh, my son to play his soccer game that day. So I said, oh, you know what? Instead of just not going to the soccer game, we'll we'll find an early church service. And you know what? I got two days of show material off of that because they had a fall festival going on. We'll talk about that later. But San Francisco, it ain't like that. All right, it's hard to find... A good church, okay. It's like uh, the difference in finding a three-leaf clover and a four-leaf clover. I guess like four-leaf clovers are hard to find in the clover patch, but it's like here in the South, it's like it's a clover patch. There's so much clover, we'll find one. In the West, it's like they ain't got no clover. I don't know how. I'm not real. I have really no idea how much clover grows grows here versus there. I'm just saying we got we have more churches. Just a lot more churches. So the more you have, the greater the chance of finding a decent one. Not like that in San Francisco. And terry has been at her church for 40 years. 40 years. And her pastor is starting to use canned sermon resources. Something called explore.god.com and something called 3D, 3D Movements. Now I don't know how good or bad these websites are how orthodox or not, if they make any sense, if they're stupid or not. Because I don't go around looking for canned sermon resources. And if I was a pastor, I certainly wouldn't do it. Because I think they're bad. Here's why pastors are supposed to be teaching their people the Bible. pastor has to be able to teach. You've got a Bible. That's, listen, when the apostle when paul was telling Timothy and Titus they got to be able to teach when Jesus gave the great commission and said you need to be going and teaching he wasn't talking about teaching from sermon resources they didn't have them he they were talking about the bible all right and they only had the old testament then but the new testament counts too cuz it's the bible they're talking about god's word not some methodology about God's word. A lot of this stuff on the internet is how to get people to do something. Like how to get them to evangelize and how to get people to, to grow the church. It's like almost the sermons are not about preparing and equipping the people. It's about turning them into little sales agents to get them into church. A pastor ought to be able to just be able to give a sermon. And you've got to think about what are you paying the pastor for? Because okay? the elder is worthy of his time, or worthy of double honor. You don't, you don't muzzle the ox while he's plowing. Okay, So you're supposed to be paying the man of God for his time. I'm assuming Terry's pastor is a vocational one who doesn't do it for free. Did the church hire this dude to go to the internet and then read whatever the internet told him to read? All right, I'm going to go buy a curriculum from the internet, and then I'm going to preach the sermons that someone else wrote to you. Now, the pastor, in theory, knows what his flock needs, or should need. I was—it uh, was after Easter, and I saw a church. Th- this was this Easter, and uh, just you know, through social media, email, or whatever, I saw a church saying, "Come join us for our new series on." the family or I think it was the I think that's what it was I don't know the name of the sermon series and I texted the pastor and I'm like felt needs after Easter he's like yeah but I really think my congregation needs to hear some of this in other words what he was saying is not he's saying I'm not just trying to make people want to stay after Easter with a felt needs sermon I'm saying my assessment of this congregation is is that they need to hear preaching on the family and the family structure. And that's his prerogative. That's his read on his congregation. If he feels like their knowledge or discipleship is somehow lacking or needs improvement on parenting and uh, how to be a good husband or a good wife, that's his read. That's what he thinks they need to be taught. Okay? Okay? So in a sense, in that same sense, if a pastor sees some uh, resources on the Internet, like some sermon series, and I'll use the family as an example, all right? So he thinks, all right, we've got a problem in our church. There's couples there. All these people are in couples counseling, and I'm afraid they're about to get divorced. And I, I got people in financial trouble. I need to preach something on what the Bible says about families. And he finds some kind of sermon resource on that. And these people have done all this research on divorce rates and uh, the rates of apostasy of teenagers from broken homes and uh, credit card debt rates among Christians and non-Christians and how you get the, just all kinds of demographic Barna stuff. Like as a pastor, it's not his job to know all of those stats. So he, looked, he, he uses that material to address what he thinks needs to be addressed in his church. Maybe that, and I'm trying to be super charitable, you know, maybe that's his motivation for that guy getting this stuff off the Internet. In this case, at Terry's church. But all that statistic stuff seems powerful, but it ain't the Word of God. The Word of God is is a two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow, right? That's what the Bible says. It's sharper than any two-edged sword that cuts between bone and marrow. All that stat stat stuff is just window dressing. The Bible says what the Bible says. It doesn't matter if if all your kids stay in church after you get divorced. God hates divorce, right? Divorce, right? You don't need all this stat all those stats are just threatening stuff. Like you, you got here's one thing though I've heard before. Muslims are Muslims are having 10 kids and you're only having 2 and the Muslims are going to overtake everything. That doesn't make Islam right. That means we're going to have a different looking country. I don't care if there, there were no Muslims here. And they have to use Muslims because we're afraid of Muslims because of the, the religious idea in Islam about the house of war and want to take over. If it was a bunch of Hindus here who are harmless, they were, or Buddha, if it was a bunch of pacifist Buddhists, they'd be like, all right, well, look, at, there's going to be more Buddhists. Okay, nobody. that's not going to scare anybody. You know what I mean? So don't give me a bunch of scare stats. Just preach the word. So when it gets down to this, Terry, your, your, your pastor can either preach the word without the resources, he can either uh, equip the saints for every good work without the resources, or he can't. If he can't do it without the resources, then he obviously doesn't meet the biblical qualifications for pastor. He's a facilitator, a vision caster, but he, 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 he can't teach. Now, if he can do it without the resources, why is he spending the church's money on these extra-biblical lesson plan resources? And by the way, I'm not talking about buying a lesson plan for the church to study. Here's an example. Uh, At First Baptist Church in Cartersville right now, the whole church, the whole church is doing the same answers in Genesis curriculum in Sunday school. Now, obviously the kids get a different curriculum then the adults, because of the learning levels, the curriculum is the same. It's just one's designed for kids, one's designed for adults. So, yes, they had to go buy that curriculum from AIG. But that's to help the Sunday school teachers do their job in Sunday school. I don't think the pastors need it to teach them about... Genesis and salvation, and I think what the curriculum is trying to do is is a meta narrative of Scripture thing. You start with the creation, and then you get the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who is God? Yeah, you know, I, I have missed a lot of Sunday school lately, but that is my take on it. So fine, I'm not saying don't buy Sunday school material. Is it better to have a bunch of Sunday school teachers who could uh, teach straight from the Bible? Yes. But I'm gonna guess a lot of churches, especially bigger ones, don't have them. Anyway. So notice what I'm not doing. I'm not saying every pastor buying stuff from the internet is wrong or buying stuff from the Baptist bookstore is wrong. Lifeway can go burn, but whatever. But if you're buying sermons that everybody else, anybody can buy from the internet and your sermons are the same as their sermons, like what what is the difference? Who's really preaching to him? That company? What's different about your church than the church down the street? Now, in theory, if you're both faithful churches, not much should be different. But I don't think a pastor is doing his job that he's getting paid to do. If he's using the church's money to spend money on the internet, get his sermon materials, and then just sort of report them or read them at you, at the congregation... That doesn't sound like much of a pastor at all. It sounds like he's busy doing other things. It sounds like he's not doing the hard work. And by the way, do you know how you learn even more about the Bible? Try preparing a sermon. When you're into the Strong's Concordance in the Greek, and you're into the Concordance, and you're looking at the verses that match one another. And you read the whole book, and then you're trying to preach a little bit of the book. You say, oh, this relates to this, this relates to this. And it starts connecting the dots. That makes you a better teacher and preacher to prepare it yourself. That guy's just a talking head. So he's at least a waste of money. And by the way, what do you need him for? Why can't he preach a sermon and say, here's some good resources. Go watch it at your leisure. Nothing makes me matter, and this has happened to me before, than showing up to church on a Sunday morning, gathered with God's people, only to be presented with something I could have watched on YouTube at home. When I was at Expedition Church, this is after the pastor got a job as a hospice chaplain and basically started phoning in Sunday mornings. I showed up one day, and it was a church party day. It was his birthday, and we were going to have our church... Party. I think it was like his birthday was also the anniversary of the founding of our church, and we watched an 18-minute-long YouTube video on the movie Woodlawn and about how Christian blockbusters could be so popular that in places without a gospel witness like China, or with a low gospel witness like China, who love American Western blockbuster movies, that if, if we made a Christian movie popular enough, they'd want to watch it overseas. This was literally the 18-minute presentation on YouTube. Buy a ticket to this Christian movie. And most Christian movies are awful. Because if you do, you'll get the gospel to Asia. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I'm pretty sure before they let the movies play over there, the Chinese authorities edit them. Nevertheless, don't tell me I need to buy a ticket for your movie for these people in China to get saved, number one. And number two, pastor, what the what the heck are you doing? This is, you should have been preaching instead of using this time. So number one, Terry, the resources on the website can be good or not. And I really don't have high hopes from people who are selling sermon resources. Because people who know better. And expect pastors to be qualified and competent and preach their own stuff from the Bible to churches aren't creating products like that to sell. I don't. As I, I'm not an entrepreneur, but if I was, I wouldn't want to create a product that I didn't think was good for society or the customer. Like if I think cigarettes kill people, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sell cigarettes. That's bad. So if I think it's bad to make canned sermons and sell them on the internet I'm not going to make canned sermons to sell on the internet people who think that's okay are probably not the people you want guiding your sermons that's number one number two even if they're good the pastor is basically wasting money and proving that he does not have the ability he's supposed to have so that's what I think Candace I think it's terrible and I tried to put a biblical basis on that as, as much as I could now let me go further 40 years ago, they did not have this stuff out there. The pastor just had to preach on whatever he could find from the Bible. What happened, Terry? Did I say Candace or Terry? What happened, Terry, between the 40 years when you started going there and now? Because I'm going to assume the preacher was rightly dividing the word and preaching from the Bible then and now 40 years later it's probably a different pastor and this guy sounds awful what allowed for that slide I'm guessing it didn't happen all at once so what you need to do before you leave the church is try to make that assessment like what happened what caused this slide try to address it with the other meeting members you try to address it with the pastor I don't think you should be doing this he'll say no my job Try to address it with the other members. If they listen to you, go to church conference, fire the pastor, and fix the church. We don't want to run away from churches that we're members of, covenant members of. We want to try to fix them. Reform, if you will. It's Reformation Day. It's Reformation Day. And I knew the Pope would want to put Luther away. What would he say? Here I stand. I can do no other till my last dying day. Had to borrow. That's not a real song. It's Decoration Day by Jason Isabel. Anyway, is that Drive-By Truckers or Jason Isabel? I think it's technically Drive-By Truckers. Anyway, Candace, don't just leave. Make the effort that there's a 90% chance it will fail and then leave. Fight the fight. Because there's probably others who feel that way too, or maybe others who are ignorant. Okay. I assume you go to a congregational church. Be a congregationalist. Get this unqualified guy out of there and replace him with someone who is qualified. And come at it. My advice come at it as an accountant and be like, all right, I'm an accountant. I audit budgets and make budgets and check spends for a living, and I've been doing it for a long time. Why are we paying a guy to lead us pastorally and then letting him pay money for the internet to do his work for him? Why? Thanks for writing in. Terry, uh, uh, I felt like I was saying Candace over and over because I mentioned Candace last. Terry, Terry, Terry. Terry from California. I always like to hear from Terry from California. For some reason, it's like always... I don't know what it is. And I always mention this. Like It's older people that I resonate with or that resonate with me. A lot of the people who write in are older than me. And I'm like, why can't I have... Why can't all you people, instead of being in Wisconsin in california why can't you be here in georgia with me and we'll have a church and we'll sing hymns and we'll preach from the bible and we'll share the gospel and we won't have uh, parties with carnival machine rides and speaking of parties with carnival machine rides let's talk about fall festivals today's show topic is fall festivals so as i mentioned earlier my son had a a soccer game in Kennesaw, and then after that, my daughter had a soccer game, either in Marietta or Kennesaw. But I had to be in Kennesaw during the afternoon. It was actually it was my daughter's game, but I'm the coach of that team. So we had a Sunday afternoon game, and my son had a game earlier than they should schedule games. Usually, I skip the 10:30 games or just show up in the second half. Uh, but this one, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go to an 8 a.m. church service, we'll get some breakfast, and then we'll show up at the game, and that's what we did. Because I'm going to have to be down there anyway. So I found the only church service in the area that I could find with an 8 a.m. service, 8.15 a.m., Burnt Hickory Baptist, which I'd heard of before. But uh, that's where they had an 8 a.m. service. And interestingly enough, I was surprised. I thought, like, why are there no 8 a.m. services, sir? The only one in Bartow County was the Anglican Church. They had a Eucharist at 8 eight thirty, and I'm not going to their lady pastor nonsense, liberalness. And I asked the uh, director of missions for our county, I said, well, are there, does anybody have an 8 a.m.? And he said, no. They usually don't have that in the Eastern time zone because it's still dark and people don't come. I was like, all right. And by the way, before you, always ask the director of missions. Whether, whether you think he's a good director or not, because, you know, I'm not big on Southern Baptist associations, but that guy knows. Like, he's sort of like a hotel concierge or travel agent, and, like, he knows every church in the county. Ask that guy. He'll know. And he'll know the styles. He'll know the types. Ask a guy who knows. Except don't ask the guy at the Golden Isles. I called the lady at the Golden Isles Baptist Association, and she said, Oh, yeah, First Baptist St. Simons. It's CBF! I already talked about that. So he told me none of our churches in Bartow had that, so I went to the Noonday uh, Association. That's the Cobb County or Cherokee County Baptist Association. And I just started scrolling through theirs, and I found one that had an 8 a.m. service. I got to the B's, Burnt Hickory. So we show up there, I don't know, 745, try, or maybe probably seven 755. And I'm on my way to the guest parking because I'm a guest. I'm going to park right up front. And as I pulled in, I saw a sign that said Pumpkin Fest. And I was like, okay, they're having their fall festival. And I'd seen a lot of signs at the churches around here for those events. And because we're not going to call it Halloween, it's a fall festival. It's a party for kids to dress up in their costumes but not witches and not vampires and not devils and give them candy and everybody's going to have a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Let's be let's have fun, okay? Let's be good in our community. I pull up to the parking lot and inside the parking lot, no joke, is a carnival machine. It's one of the it's a big machine that's a ride that spins around. You ever go to the carnival, they have those rides that spin around? So you guys probably see the traveling carnivals come. We have one in Cartersville on Labor Day. They call it Pioneer Days, and all these carnival machines show up in the park and get built. So there are these carnival companies out there. They travel, and they have carnivals on the weekend, and they have all these tractor trailers full of rides, and they, they basically assemble in a small amusement park in whatever town is hosting them. So I'm What I'm trying to say, it was not a jump jump. Because a jump jump comes in a little bag. And you plug it in and all of a sudden you have a bouncy house or a bouncy castle. Some people call them jump jumps. This was literally a carnival ride. Like you would see at Lake Winnipesoka. Or one of these carnivals. You'll have to Google Google Lake Winnipesoka. It's a small amusement park near Chattanooga. I think it's in Rossville, Georgia. And they had three of these things. Three different carnival rides that they had rented, and the again these are the type of rides that you're going a, a professional, licensed, certified carny has to has to run. Like they're dangerous, so somebody has to run them. And we all know a licensed professional carny is some 17 year old boy with tattoos and a cigarette. But this is like stuff like sign a waiver type dangerous rides. I'm not. And I'm not criticizing them because they're dangerous. I'm saying it must have cost thousands of dollars to rent these carnival rides big carnival rides in the parking lot and my kids are like why do they have carnival rides and i'm like i i guess they're for their fall festival doesn't it seem kind of wasteful and they're like yes it does and i told them i said hey listen after our third soccer game today because there was another one to come play in Cartersville I said what we'll do after that game in the afternoon is on the way home we'll go to Pine Grove Baptist they're having a fall festival we'll go there and get some candy and jump on the jump jump because the little missionary Baptist church a couple miles from my house it's across from the park near where I live it's like so in between my house and this church is a city park that's how close it is and they had sent out mailers to I guess the local neighborhoods and I got it and I said alright four to seven we might drop by there and I'm not going to go to this church because I've told you before that I went there once they had like the biggest semi-Pelagian invitation ever not my style soteri how about this not my doctrine soteriologically I mean I, I always whenever I meet somebody there I like the person they're really nice people they sing hymns preach from the KJV not a bunch of this 20 foot video screen nonsense but anyway, I said, we'll go to that. And we did. After the soccer tournament, I took my son there. They had a jump jump. They had a couple of little, uh, tr- I guess you call it truck or treat type things where a car was pulled up. One of them was a pickup truck. And you had a fishing pole with one of those little clips that you could close a, a bag of potato chips with. And you threw it through a little hole. It was like a little drawing of trees in a lake. And you threw it through there. And there was this guy in his pickup truck, and his wife was in the back. And once the kid threw it through, she clipped that onto like a bag of goldfish or a piece of candy, and and you could reel it in. It was a little fun thing for kids. And then they had uh, another car with a guy dressed in a baseball uniform, and he had baseball cards and candy. And then they had a little face-painting place. They had a place where you could paint a pumpkin. They had a big garbage can full of candy. You just grab a handful of that candy. They had uh, a, a place on the, on the porch of the church with some hay bales. and you could, They had a camera set up. You could take a little family picture of all your kids. And they had a trailer on a tractor with hay bales so you could take a little hay ride. And the hay ride went through the, the parking back. you got to understand, this church is not big at all. It's on less than an acre of land. So all of this is in their parking lot. And their parking lot is little. They do not have a giant campus or a giant building. On the other side of the church was a little, uh, a, a modestly sized jump, jump with a slide, and we went and we had a lot. We had fun. My son thought it was neat, and they had, uh, they had chili dogs and hamburgers that they had made. And when you looked at it, like I don't know if there's maybe a hundred members of this church. That's hundred is probably a lot for this small church. And they had gotten together, and you could tell that these people knew each other and were close knit they weren't weren't strangers like if you went to burnt hickory there'd be one guy probably in this it was a mega it had four services as it turns out big bigger church than i thought it would be you'd probably have one guy man in one carnival ride who didn't know the other guy man in a carnival ride and i bet burnt hickory spent i don't know what it cost to cost to write those carnival thousands 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 of dollars all right. And I know there's a scale cuz one church is bigger and one church is smaller and the big church is going to expect more guests and the little church is going to expect not as many guests. But it was it was just like a little humble fun fall festival for the kids. They weren't trying to do anything like ornate. They weren't trying to attract people with like crazy expensive stuff. It was just simple people doing simple stuff to make kids happy. And everybody was nice. And yeah, one guy introduced himself to me and said, you know, I'm so-and-so. Yeah, you, you Bring your kids to our youth program on Wednesday if you want to. It was. They didn't have like a judgment house or anything. Like go in and and get scared by devils. And the, you're going to go to hell. Here's the gospel presentation. Nothing like that. <clears throat> now this is the fall festival I went to because I want to be caught dead at the... The uh, Burnt Hickory Fall Festival because I bet it would be like 10,000 people from the surrounding neighborhoods grabbing at every spare piece of candy with long lines for the rides. And I really don't know how many people at the Pine Grove Fall Festival were kids from there or kids from somebody else. I really just felt like it was nice people trying to do something simple for kids. And I really, I really appreciate it. And, you know, Good for them if, if somebody goes, some kids go to that and say, oh, yeah, we'll try coming here Wednesday night. Like, really nice people. Like you know, The food wasn't catered. These people got together and made these hamburgers and hot dogs. You know, and they had a, you know, a big cooler. There's some Cokes in the cooler. So, I did not go to Pumpkin Fest, 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 at... Burnt Hickory Baptist with their carnival rides but there's some point and I can't point to you in the Bible and say here's the point but there's some point when you go too far and I think when you have literal carnival rides in your church you've you've gone from just trying to do something nice for kids to like we've got to get people here by hook or by crook and we're going to spend thousands to do it Because what does a what does a garbage can full of candy cost? Fifty bucks? I don't know. <clears throat> and once again, I recognize there's a different scale between a little church like Pine Grove and a mega church like Burnt Hickory. Because a mega church is trying to attract a thousand people and a little church is trying to attract ten people. But... <sighs> I mean one is literally bread and circuses I don't know how else to put it And it's sort of like my kids could sense it You know they're young Like one kid went to the fall festival at Pine Grove And didn't think anything was weird about it He just had a nice time But driving by the other one it was like This this isn't Something's off here Something's too much This doesn't seem like church This seems like an amusement park Now, somebody from Burnt Hickory said, listen, we're just, they might say, we're just trying to do the same thing these other churches are doing for the kids by having our fall festival, having Pumpkin Fest, 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 Fest. But I don't know. One was just too much. So where does this all come down to? Again, this is not a show about saying, well, churches shouldn't have a fall festival. That's celebrating Halloween. We should have nothing to do with it. We should have Reformation Day and nail 90 Reese's on the Catholic Church's door. I think that's pretty funny when people nail 90 Reese's on the door. Reese's instead of thesis it's pronounced reeses my wife said my wife says reeses it's not it's reeses listen to the radio ads it's reeses but you nail 90 reeses on the door i guess you'd tape them instead of uh <laughs> instead of 90 theses that's a cute way to do reformation day today reformation day i should go as martin luther i need a i need a brown robe i can go as martin luther <coughs> This is about fall festival being like, are you attractional circus church or are you just trying to do something nice? You never you're never gonna hear me say on this show, well, you shouldn't be trying to do something nice for the kids. That's outside the mission. I'm just not gonna say that. Even if you got a jump jump, I don't care. But at some point, you've gone too far. And I think Burt Hit Burnt Henry Hitt- Burnt Hickory Baptist is probably Way far gone. And I know that because I went to their church service. Which, by the way, will be Thursday's. Thursday show topic, planned show topic, if I get to the show and get to do it, will be Spontaneous Baptism Day. Because that's what I walked into visiting Burnt Hickory Baptist on Sunday. And I was like, oh no. We'll get to that. Alright, what are you going to do with this? Do you have fall festivals with pony rides and canned sermons at your church? This doesn't happen all at once. And hell is, as I said the other day, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You have to be like Captain Picard sometimes and say, the line will be drawn here, this far, no further at Fall Festival time. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.